Once again, good morning, and uh, I want to invite you to uh, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, if you have it. We're going to take a, a slight turn. We're still under this uh, umbrella on life together, and we're going to talk a little bit uh, today about what might be one of the most uh, uh, unrelenting, uh, maybe I should say, topics. It has been around forever. People have always talked about this. Um, and it is still, uh, you know, an issue with huge currency in just about every conversation uh, you can have is right there under the surface. Uh, no matter uh, almost who you talk to, it comes up again and again in so many different ways. Uh, we see it, of course, in Scripture. We see it far uh, beyond, uh, uh, you know, far earlier than, than even the New Testament. You go back in, in Old Testament. But you see it also in current conversation. And, and I was just thinking, you know, one of the songs that I remember speaking about this issue uh, was written in 1439. That's a few years ago, right? Even older than some of you here, I'm just saying, Yes? Or should I say some of us here? Uh, just think about this. And, and the first line of that song, it was written after a conflict between some, some bishops and some kings uh, in the Nordic countries, kind of where I grew up. Uh, and and it, the first line goes like this. Freedom is the best of goals. And it goes on to kind of spell out how important that is. And it, it speaks about freedom as a golden shield that, that protects you from so many things. It, it talks about freedom being this wonderful bride that, that you long to be and, and, and to honor, uh, to be with and to honor. It talks about freedom being this safe harbor where you always need to be focused on, on coming to that harbor. Now, we know, of course, in, in, in our settings also, now, are we the land of the free? Well, that's, that's what is always kind of coming up, right? We, we sing songs, uh, and, and, and around, uh, you know, 4th of July, always, I'm proud to be an American because that is at least a place where, what? I know I'm free. We, we kind of highlight that. Nora Jones. Uh, sings uh, and does so still in so many places about the dream of a nation where freedom will endure. Freedom. And it became such a powerful song that, that, that Ken Burns used it as, as the kind of the, 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 the song or the tone of the musical uh, uh, structure, if you will, uh, of his, his documentary on the American involvement in the Second World War. Many of you, I'm sure, have, have watched that. But freedom, friends, uh, is a key word, not only in our daily talk, also in Scripture. And it touches some very, very deep aspect of what it means to belong to Christ. And I kind of want to highlight some of that and speak to many of you uh, uh, in, in young people and, and all of us really as we are thinking through what really does that mean? That this struggle between freedom and control is such a dominating kind of issue that it touches just about everything. 
regardless, I think, of, of your skin color, regardless of your culture, regardless of your interests, regardless of your age, regardless uh, of your social status, this issue of freedom is pushing itself to the forefront of how we think about so many things. And nowadays, of course, it has become almost like a code word for everything. We, we tend to kind of understand the word freedom in, in uh, individualized, personalized, even privatized kind of categories. It's about me and my freedom, where in reality, that word freedom is a relational word that talks about our freedom and, and how we engage uh, with one another in so many ways. But now it's a code word. Well, it's, it's about Freedom to say whatever you jolly well please, to do whatever you jolly well wants to do, to broadcast uh, whatever, to, to portray whatever you want in whatever way you so desire, to promote whatever you want, to, to buy what, whatever you want, to, to claim whatever you want to claim as truth in whatever color you want to paint it, uh, to kind of smoke whatever you want, to drink whatever you want, to spend your money in any way you jolly well please, and so on. We have so categorized this as a primarily an individual category, whereas clearly in Scripture and in, in reality, if you think about it even beyond the spiritual life, it is a relational category. You are free to serve. You are free to give your gifts to the betterment of the people that you are around, to the society you are part of, to you're free to follow God. You're free uh, to do what you're called to do. You're free to use your gifts in the best way those gifts can be used. Think about this. Freedom is not about me or about you. To be free is a relational category. You're free to be the best father you can ever be, the best mother you can ever be. You are free to be the most loving husband you can be, the most loving wife you can be. You are free to really make an impact, to use the gifts that are yours, to build up other people, to strengthen those that you're around and, and all of that. But you're not free. Let me say this. You're not free to destroy other people. You're not free to destroy other people's kids or even your own kids for, for that matter. You're not free to tear down other folks and other families. Freedom is a relational category. And we see that. And one of the things that we notice in the text we're going to read together is that freedom is always related to God, really. Think about it. There's so much that we consider freedom that may look like freedom in the beginning, and then after a while, it turns into the exact opposite. But what we really want, what we all long for deepest down is a genuine freedom, a true, deep-seated, actual freedom that allows us to live. So let me read the way Paul puts it right here. 
chapter 2 from Ephesians. And he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedience. We too all previously lived among them uh, in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclination of our flesh and our thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as also others were. But God, say that with me, but God. That's a good sentence to remember. Can we say it together? But God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, now we're saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated uh, seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you're saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared ahead of time. For us to do. You know, um, for Paul to be truly alive is the same as being truly free. For him uh, to be, uh, to lack the true freedom was as good as being dead. Just look at it here. What he's trying to do is simply to flip-flop the argument that we often hear. The paradox is this, that many of you have often heard, and surely if you have ever tried to share your faith with, with a non-Christian, very quickly you'll get to this point where they say, you know, Christianity is just a bunch of rules, it's a bunch of limitations, it's a bunch of you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. I remember uh, sitting in, in a waiting room at one time, and I got to talk to the lady who was waiting like I was right next to me, and we, you know, just uh, talked and struck up a rapport. And, and after a little bit, I asked her if, if she was, uh, was a believer, if she had faith of any kind, if, if, if she was a church-going person, if she was a Christian. And she said, well, you know, she became defensive somewhat, uh, not in a big way, but, but still a little bit kind of cautious. You could tell immediately when that question was, was kind of launched in a way that she's kind of, uh, became a little bit protective, which was fine. And then she said, you know, I have my own faith. And the problem with some of these Christians is that they take it way too serious. In fact, she said, I know someone. And then they became Christians. Their lives completely changed. I mean, they changed the outlook on everything. And now all I could do to hold myself in and say, thank you, Jesus. That is exactly what he does. He transforms people's lives. Again, freedom 
is not an individual concept. It's not about personal glorification. Freedom is a relational concept. It's the freedom uh, to pursue meaning, to pursue purpose, to pursue what it means to be a giving rather than just a receiving type person. So what Paul is saying here is, look at this. You thought that you being free to do whatever you jolly well pleased was freedom, but it's, it's really not. It's the other way around. You were dead in your trespass. You were completely determined by your inclinations of your flesh and your thoughts. That's all that guided you. In fact, that's not freedom at all. True, genuine freedom is not to just do whatever you just desire for the second or whatever the world uh, tells you to do because everybody else to do it. True freedom is to be able to say no when everybody else says yes. Genuine freedom is to be able to say yes to God even when everybody else says no. That kind of freedom requires real power, friends. Deep Seated power that comes only from God. Before you knew God, Paul is saying, look back in the text. You were just determined in everything you did by the powers of this world, by the way they act, by the way they conclude things, by the way they, they think, by the desires that are theirs. That's what Determined what you thought and did. You were really just a slave to the commands of the one who rules the powers of the air. To use Paul's language right here. So can I say this? Just to kind of quote Paul in a, in a slight different way here. If you think... That not making Jesus Lord will set you free. And I may be talking to someone also who's listening. Who didn't think that they were going to hear this. When they listened in someplace other than here. If you think that not making Jesus Lord will set you free. You need to rethink your thinking on this matter. That is exactly what makes you a slave. To whatever else is going on. I read a story, it was from Burma, what we now call Myanmar, it's an old story, so it's a, maybe it's a parable uh, from that culture, but let me share it. It's about a banyan tree, and, and uh, <clears throat> some of you may know what that is, some of you may not. When I lived in Florida, they were all over the place. It's these massive, massive trees, and they're known because even out of big branches, they would just shoot from the middle of the branch, they'll shoot roots out, and they will grow very fast, and when they hit the ground, they shoot roots in the ground, and it becomes another trunk, so to speak, of the tree, and they, so the trees become massively huge. So here's the story. So uh, this little banyan seed was being tossed and flown around by the winds of the air, and it landed in the branches of a giant king palm. And as it landed there, it asked the palm, can I dwell here for a little bit? I'm tired of being just cast around by the wind, and the big palm tree said, 
Stay as long as you want. You're welcome. And before long, that, that palm tree forgot all about it. But the banyan seed began immediately to sink its roots into first the bark of, uh, of the tree and then further into the very heart of the trunk of that tree. And suddenly, the palm tree realized what he cried out, said, stop it, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm just a little seed that you allow to dwell in your branches. And he said, well, you become too big, you become too strong, you got to get out of here. And the seed said, well, I, I can. Now, I'm no longer just a seed. I'm, I'm so integrally, uh, integrally in, intertwined with who you are. I become part of you. If I wrestle myself away from you, you will not survive. And so the palm tree began to shake and try to shake the banyan away and, and it couldn't. And not long after that, these beautiful, beautiful, uh, Branches that were kind of waving in the air began now to to uh, to fade, and the leaves turned yellow, and and before long the trunk itself began to crumble until it collapsed under the weight of the big banyan tree. That's the story or the parable, whatever you want to call it, from Myanmar, from Burma. But church, let me tell you. That's kind of how false freedom works. What looks to be nothing, and maybe even looks to be freedom, turns into be slavery that suffocates real freedom. Paul goes so far as he uses the word death about that. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when we find ourselves and life is hard and is, you know, getting at us from all sides like there's fire burning here, fire burning here, pressure from here, all around us. We're just surrounded by tough, incredible life difficulties. I'll tell you another story. It's a Native American who come to faith in Christ and some other people were asking this old wise man, what does it mean to be set free in Christ? And he sat for a while just thinking. And he got up and he, he gathered some dried leaves. He crushed them in his hand. And just spread them out in a circle. And then he lit them on fire. And he took a little spider and put it in the middle of that. And that spider, of course, felt the heat. So it ran to the other side, felt more heat there, ran to the other side, felt more heat there. And finally, it found out that no matter where it turned, it'll just get hotter. So finally, it just sat in the very middle and shriveled up, did not move at all. And they were looking at him. And the wise old native chief said, look at my finger. And he put his finger right in front of 
spider. And the spider crawled up even as he was lifting his hand up and set it in freedom. Are we getting the story? That is exactly how it works with God's deliverance. That is how it works when God sets us free. The only way out of that kind of thing where no matter where we turn, there's more pressure or more heat is to wait for God to get his hand down. And then when it's there to use that opportunity to crawl up into his hand and let him lift you out. Only in his hand do you find genuine freedom. It was Jesus himself who said, if you remain in my word, you shall truly be my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did you see what Paul is saying here? He's saying freedom has to do with the power that really controls your life. You know, you're just previously living among the kind of folks that just let their inclinations from the flesh and thoughts and other things determine your actions, your thinkings, your priority. The kind of power that comes from that is the power that makes you and you yourself the only important thing. Immediate benefit becomes your vision and your focus. Whereas, when you focus on Christ, look at what he says. Your focus will be changed and you'll experience genuine freedom because the benefits will not just be immediate, they will be eternal. Think of it this way. The power that Christ offers is the power that, that, that can take people and raise them up from death. It's the kind of power that gives people brand new freedom, new life. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I know some of you have heard this so many times. It becomes just kind of fog. But this is a reality, friend, that touches your very life. The only power that is strong enough to break that chain that binds people to what might at one time have looked like freedom is the power from God himself. Things, Paul says, turns opposite of what we normally think of and what people generally think of. Freedom to truly live is given only by God. And it comes when people choose to not just utter the words, Jesus is Lord, but to actually make him Lord of their life. You see, when the Bible is so eager to underscore the fact that when someone genuinely comes to faith, they will be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's because it says that that power is necessary. You know, just like Jesus, when he came and, and, and the whole world history was divided into a before and an after Christ. So also when he comes to your life, your life was split, if you will, or 
make a before and an after in your life, in your history. Look at what verse 6 says right here. Just like that. That you are raised with him. That's it. That's what enables this new kind of freedom. And may I caution one more thing, friends? I know how easy it is to just relegate these things. You know, I grew up in church like many of you did also, right? That we relegate this to some kind of spiritual realm that doesn't really touch our actual lives. But that's the problem. That's the problem. That is why Jesus says, when the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed or no true freedom. There's not a this life over here that has to do with our emotions and our spirituality and all that kind of stuff. And then the real stuff over here. No, no, no. It is the life with God that empowers your life. The prioritizing of your decisions that empowers the everyday in all things. That's why when the hand is being is reaching down into the circle, jump into it and let him carry you out, friends. Maybe I can end with this and just say it like this. We all know what electricity is, yes? Except we probably don't, right? If I ask you to explain electricity, you would probably, most of you, a few exceptions, most of you would be finding that somewhat difficult. But we all know what it does, don't we? We know that that. When we see electricity and we have a plug, if we put this kind of thing in it called a lamp, it will turn darkness into light. We know we plug another thing in and what was freezing cold turns into wonderful warmth. We, we know that, that when we have definite silence, we put another thing into it, and suddenly the room is filled with, with gorgeous music. We know of another kind of stillness. When the air is stuffy and, and unmovable, you pluck another thing in, and a fan will bring a fresh breeze of air that, that feels so refreshing in so many ways. God's power is someone like that, friend. It is not aloof and cold and mechanical and, 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 and impersonal like electricity, obviously. It is a relational kind of power that comes. But that, too, will turn cold or freeze and aloofness into warmth and embrace. That, too, will, will take that, that, that deafening silence where everybody seems to not care and turn it into a symphony of, of beautiful music. That, too, can take what is stuffiness and staleness and bring a fresh wind by his spirit. Are we hearing this? I hope, friends, that you are and you realize that God desires for you to know actual freedom, genuine freedom, the kind of freedom that reprioritizes the way you think, 
when you're not just thrown around. The kind of freedom that gives you power to shake off that banyan, banyan kind of seed before it sinks its roots too deep. The kind of freedom that allows the hand of God to lift you back up. Friend, can we stand? I know we're not a church that is all that used to. We are not a church that is all that used to coming forward and kneeling. A part of the text I just couldn't get to, we just didn't have time this morning, was where it says, you are saved by grace. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Think about this, friends. In this time when we pray, God speaks to you. If you're at home, you can still have time maybe to come in a car or pray or just give us a phone call, send us a note, email us. We want to talk and pray with you. Some of you may need to come to Christ and just know his power. Some of you may say, hey, I call Jesus Lord, but I'm in this circle where it's burning right around me. I need to experience a new lowering of his hand to lift me up. Friend, whatever it is, you're wondering, should I join a fellowship? The answer is yes. We'd love to have you, friends. To walk through life alone is anything but what we're called to do as Christians. So use this time as we sing this song. And Father, I ask will you pour out your spirit, not only on each of us here, But in all of us, may we know, as the First Baptist Church of Louisville, Texas, that we are in the hand of God, that we can hear texts like what Paul just says, that we don't want to be caught in the trespasses that just lead us to death. But we want to be in the hand of God that brings us to life. Speak, Lord power and with grace even now